Some of you guys might remember, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Back in 1992, the Disney came out with this movie called The Newsies. This musical, um, not a new story, but this is their version of what they did with it. And in this movie, you have these orphans who constantly go to this newspaper facility. They buy the papes, as they call it, for a certain amount. And then they try to make a small profit off of it. And this is something they do every day, but there's somebody who stands above the rest. His name in the movie is Jack Kelly, played by a very young Christian Bale. He is better and looked up to by all the other newsies because he sells the most papes. Now come to find out, the reason he sells the most papes is because he, I don't know, exaggerates just a little bit with the stories and the headlines. He might yell out, extra, extra, read all about it, terrified flight from burning inferno. That sounds exciting. I might buy a paper that says that, but the real headline actually is trash fire near immigration site, terrify seagulls. That, that's a little bit more than what I paid for. What is interesting about that is that the headlines of our lives aren't made up, are they? If we're honest with each other about how we feel about what comes at us at times, those headlines that we might call headlines of our lives can be overwhelming and alarming. I'm guessing that you might have a similar reaction whenever overwhelming and alarming things happen than I do. It's that kind of news that causes your muscles to tighten and not release. That kind of news that sets in that migraine like automatically back in the back of your head or maybe for some of you up here. It's the kind of news that you instantly feel exhausted without any reason for it. Or, for those Marvel fans, you feel like Thor's hammer is stuck down on you as you're laying on the ground as Loki, and you can't breathe because you're suffocating. That kind of news, it's not made up, it's real. Talking about the information that comes at you that doesn't cause you to just pause, but news that causes you to sit down, stop, and stare off in space for hours. The kind of news that is so troubling that you don't just pause, but you fall down and weep. The kind of information that's so troubling that you don't just pause, you feel hopeless, you feel vulnerable, and you feel alone. In that moment, I have to ask myself, and I have to ask you guys, what do you believe in? In those moments, what do you believe in? Our good father, knowing that this would be a reality for his disciples and for us, gives his son a word for you, for me, and for them. If you're able, would you stand and hear the reading from God's word this morning? 
found in John 14, verse 1 through 7. It says this, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, and if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you do know me, and you have seen him. This is the word of God, and it never fails. You guys may be seated. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In that one verse, there's so much truth. After my introduction of troubles, you might go, how in the world am I supposed to not be troubled? How in the world am I supposed to not let my heart be troubled? It would seem that God is hinting that trouble is unavoidable. And you would be right. Trouble is unavoidable, and he knew that. That doesn't sound comforting, I know, but stick with me for just, just a minute. Trouble will be unavoidable. I think we're all aware of that fact. Uh, let me see if I can prove it to you. How many of you, without pointing fingers at each other, know a jerk? <laughs> Don't point up here either, please. How many of us have run into a jerk in our lives, right? How many of you know someone or have been that someone who's been affected by job loss? How many of you know someone or you yourself deal with a physical or mental disability that causes troubles in certain areas? How many of you know one's know someone or are someone that has been affected by cancer? Do you know someone that has had trouble of some sort in your life? Or my better question to myself and to you, do you know yourself? Because <laughs> we all have experienced trouble because trouble is unavoidable. Trouble's everywhere we look, it's part of what we touch, part of everything we do. I mean, the internet and apps have fixed a lot of things, right? But they've also brought a lot of trouble. There's hurtful images. There's addiction. There's trouble it causes just by, on the eyes, by looking at it too long. Even the good and useful things sometimes bring trouble. If that's true, we have to ask the question, if trouble is unavoidable in those moments, 
What do you believe in? Here it says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Okay, we see that. Believe in God, and that fixes everything, right? Right now, like right now. Don't we have to be honest that the natural progression of trouble being unavoidable is that trouble is often or always crushing. It's crushing. The death of a loved one, finding out you have a terminal illness, your child stops speaking to you after 18 years of you building into their life. Your spouse of 30 years tells you, I don't love you anymore. It's crushing. Jesus, on the night that he was in the upper room with his disciples, speaks this word to them knowing that he was about to go to the cross and was about to leave them. Put yourself in their shoes only a day later. Unavoidable and crushing to them. It's inevitable that their hearts would be troubled. It's inevitable that their hearts would be crushed because they lost this guy who they spent years with, seeing him do wonderful things, and he's taken away from them automatically, being hung on the cross, the most public, humiliating thing that could be done. We know that we can experience the same type of, of things. We know because we've been crushed in the past, maybe recently or even today, this morning, by getting some sort of news. Trouble will be crushing, but in that moment, what do you believe in? Again, Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Travel back with me for just a second, a couple of chapters before this, where Jesus gets news that his good friend, Lazarus, is sick. And then he waits two days. Instead of rushing to his side, he purposely waits. And in those span of two days, Lazarus dies. When Jesus arrives, Mary falls at his feet and says this in John eleven thirty two. Now when Mary came to Jesus, to where Jesus was, and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Listen to how he responds. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said, Lord, come and see. And then that verse that we all memorize so that we can say we memorized the verse, Jesus wept. Jesus, Mary is troubled because her brother died. That's normal. It's not unexpected. She's sorrowful, she's mourning, she's questioning, and she's crushed crushed because it wasn't avoided as if it could have been. 
In this moment, she blames Jesus for not showing up at the right time. What does she believe in? She's trusting in the physical. She's trusting in the flesh. She is trusting in the things that are meant to pass away. Jesus responds with this word that says he was moved. This word is better known as indignant or angry. His heart is not troubled by the fact that Lazarus was dead. He knew that he was about to walk to that place, say, remove the stone and yell out, Lazarus, come out, and that Lazarus would be alive. He was moved in grief because in that moment, their hearts were reacting in unbelief. Let not your hearts be troubled Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is angry. Jesus is sad because even though trouble will be unavoidable and even though trouble will be crushing, he knew and wanted them to know that trouble will be vanquished. Trouble will be vanquished. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Eternal life. When trouble comes, what do you believe in? Jesus, in chapter 17, verse 3 of John, as he's praying before he's about to be hung on the cross and handed over, he prays this. I want you to hear this because this is eternal life. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. What is eternal life? Knowing who he is, knowing what he has done, and knowing what he is going to do. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. How? Why? We can't avoid that trouble. How am I supposed to believe in you in the middle of that? How am I supposed to believe in you while I'm being crushed and dealing with this heartache? Because trouble will be vanquished. Friends, we will receive eternal life by knowing him. I'm going to read... John chapter 14 again. I want you to hear these words that he says. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Okay. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. The rooms are already prepared. He's not building on extra rooms. They're already there. They are ready for you and for me. I would, have, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. He's going to prepare a place for us by going to the cross. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. 
that where I am, you will be also, and you know the way I am going. But Thomas responds, I believe in a lot of sincerity, saying this, just like we say in times of trouble, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way. Through me, through my son, through knowing me, that's how you know. I am the truth. What I say is right and true, and you can find hope in that. I am the life, eternal life. Know me. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. One of the most shocking times that I can remember in my life is when I lost my papa, my dad's dad. He was the one that would always take me to the basketball camps. He would pick me up from school, drop me off. We'd spend most summers together going to Sonic and getting strawberry shakes. I even remember him in my 20s saying, early 20s saying, you are my favorite grandchild, which is impressive. I'm not the only one, so I was happy about that. And I remember thinking, what, why is that? Is it because we're so similar? Is it because I'm the first grandchild? I don't know. But I remember getting that call from my dad saying, hey, he only has a couple of days left probably. The strokes and the Alzheimer's had taken over and there was not much response, not showing any signs of having any improvement at all. And this was about when our second youngest, Eli, had just pretty recently been born. It was pretty small, and he hadn't seen Eli yet because he had been in the hospital in and out and just wasn't fit to do so. I can remember going to the, going to the nursing home that he was at, and the boys, in their own way, saying their goodbyes. Um, not really sure what was going on, right? But... It was as if he had no idea that we were there. And I can remember taking Eli, our second oldest, who was small enough for me to just kind of, you know, do this kind of deal, and putting him as close as I could to my papa's face. And for that, just, just, a, just a glimmer of time, his eyes went from being gray and glazed over to moving back and forth across Eli's face. And that sparkle that I remember him having as a child was back just for a moment. And then it faded away. The next day, my dad calls me and says he's passed on. And it was one of those moments that you sit there and you don't just pause, but you stare off in space. And you have to ask yourself, what do I believe in that moment? Do I just believe that hurt and pain will be unavoidable and crushing, and that's all it will ever be? 
Or do I believe that one day trouble will be vanquished? That Jesus will return and that just as he called Lazarus out a few verses later in chapter 11 and said, Lazarus, come out, he will cry out my name. He will cry out all the names of those who call him Lord. Do I know him well enough for that? What do I believe in? Church, the answer is in the middle of those troubles that seem always unavoidable and always crushing. It's to say eternal life is to know him and to know that he will vanquish those troubles once and for all forever. And on the last day, he will call out your name, he will call out my name, and he will call out my papa's name and say, come out, come to me and be with me and know me forever. We have to ask, what do you believe in in those moments? Let's pray. Father, we are coming in here today with trouble. Our knees don't work the way we want. Our backs aren't able to do the backflips only one or two of us have been able ever to do. We see trouble in our world and it's overwhelming. But God, we know that in the midst of that, you say, let not your hearts be troubled. And how can you say that? Because you know that you will make all things new. Would we believe that in this moment? Would we believe that in all the moments forward and look forward to the hope that you have set before us? We pray and we ask and we cry out in your name that this would be true. Amen.